Hey, New Vintage Church, can you give a round of applause to the worship team this morning? They're just, hey, all year with the transition over here to Center for the Arts, week in and week out, setting up and just putting on an amazing time of worship. They, they deserve a lot of credit. Um, well, good morning uh, to you, church. Uh, good morning to the kids that are with us. Good morning online. Uh, if you're watching through online this morning, we are so grateful you're, you're with us. And if you're watching online... And you're wondering if our camera quality got better or why Tim looks younger or better looking. Um, my name is Scotty Cowan. Uh, I am the youth pastor here. Uh, and after that statement, we'll see for how much longer. Um, but it is a wonderful morning to be here. Uh, I was asked a couple weeks back if I wanted to preach uh, on today, which is known as National Youth Pastor Appreciation Day because... Across the nation, the denim jackets are out everywhere. Uh, the youth pastors are preaching. This is notorious uh, for the day that the youth pastors are up on stage. Um, and so I'm very excited. Over the past couple weeks, uh, the Holy Spirit's been revealing a lot to me uh, about what he wants to, to speak this morning. I'm so excited to communicate that. Um, but first and foremost, uh, I just want to say a couple thank yous. I was uh, hired on here as the full-time youth pastor uh, back in August, and it has been such an amazing semester. And there's a quick snapshot. Uh, yeah, thank you, Scott. You guys keep Scott's seat right here. I'm gonna love. I'm gonna love him. But that's, there's a quick snapshot into our Sunday nights. We've been meeting at Kettle, and it has been fantastic. The kids have been amazing. We started up our student leadership, uh, and they've just been stepping up and leading their peers uh, in such amazing ways. Uh, and it has been so awesome. And I want to give a big thank you. I think they're all in here uh, to my leaders. Um, so if you are one of the youth leaders, will you just wave real quick? Three of you over here, three of you right here, one's right there. Alejandro in the back. You, I don't know what I would do uh, this semester without you guys. Thank you so much for everything that you guys have been doing. Um, but what was really cool about this semester is we established five pillars of what's going to be our youth ministry moving forward. Uh, and, and there are these five on the screen. Uh, the number one is the greatest commandment, uh, which we will be diving into this morning. Uh, number two is the great commission. Uh, and the number three is worshiping God. Our, our youth ministry is going to worship God every opportunity we can. Um, and number four, I, I, I want our students to know that their identity is based on God and on their faith. And as the world has tried to, to pour in what they should be, uh, the, the, the world likes to hit our high schoolers and middle schoolers with what the world thinks that they should be. Um, and so we want to establish that their identity is based on God. And we're actually going to get into that a little bit later this morning. And number five is the famous statement by uh, DJ himself. No, that is not Kyle. It's K-Y-A-L. No, you are loved. We want every student uh, to step into our ministry knowing that they are loved and they are special. So those are our five pillars. Uh, and like I said, we're going to dive into number one. Now, in your bulletins, there is a little bit of a misprint. Uh, the verses on there are for the Great Commission, and it should be for the Greatest Commandment. Now, the Great Commission is a great passage, so if you want to keep that there, that's fine. But if you want to write in the verses that we'll be covering this morning, you can write in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39. And it reads this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. And depending on your translation, right there, it could say the second is equally as important. 
Love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. And as I was reading this, getting ready for this Sunday, if you know me, you know my thought trains go very fast in very different directions. Um, and it led me to this point in this verse where there's almost a, prere a prerequisite where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And it's this point that, what if you have a misview of who you are? What if you have a misview in your identity, and what if you don't love yourself? And you're supposed to go out and love people, but you have a misview of who you are. And so it hinders what is our greatest commandment given by Jesus. Because we don't necessarily understand who God has made us to be. And so this morning, we're actually going to go all the way back. All the way back to Genesis chapter 2, when it was God and Adam. And when God looked at Adam and said, uh, we are going to establish some things before there is ever another human in your life. We are going to establish these things first before you get into relationship with anyone else. So that you know how to love correctly. So we're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And it says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and there he placed the man he had made. Can you guys just say place for me? Place. I'm going to need a help preaching this morning. Can you guys say place for me? Place. place. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he placed the man that he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. Can you say produce? produce? Move down to verse 15. It says, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except, say except, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And I believe in these instructions, God gave Adam five things that he wanted to establish before there was ever another person in his life. And those five things are place, purpose, parameters, provision, and identity. And I know for you OCD people, because I'm the same way, I really tried to find a word for identity that started with P. I really did. It's bugging me too. I know it's bugging me too. But for this morning, those are our five. Place, purpose, parameters, provision, and identity is what I believe God established in Adam before another person ever entered into his life. And so we're going to start this morning by talking about place. And let me say this. God desires to give you a place. Amen. Now, young adults, people my age, I'm not talking about that 400 square foot apartment that you've been watching on Zillow. <laughs> I'm talking about he desires to give you a place where you can work and do what you're supposed to do. The problem is, is so often, we try and place ourselves. We try and, and move to this new place. We try and change jobs and change classrooms and change all this stuff, which isn't necessarily a bad thing until you start doing it without even consulting God. And you start looking to people to validate the place that you've put yourself in. But here's what's interesting. In Genesis 2, it said he placed Adam in the garden that he had made. He placed Adam in a place he had nothing to do with. He did not make Adam and go, okay, create what you want. 
He's, God created everything we know. He created the Garden of Eden and said, see, I'm going to place you in what I have made because it is what's best. Amen. And so often we try and fight that. He didn't want to do it out of control. He wasn't trying to control Adam. He was just saying, trust me in where I'm going to place you. Because if you try to make your own place, it's not going to work. He placed Adam somewhere he had nothing to do with. He placed you in that family, in your family. And I know they're crazy, and I know they're insane. The entire second row just kind of looked at me funny. Love you guys. But I know every holiday that your family fights, or you don't have a great relationship with this person or that person, but maybe God's trying to teach you something at that level. He placed you in that family because he wanted you to learn something that's going to be used down the road. He placed you in your job. He placed you in your internship. College students, he placed you at that school. He's the one in charge of access granted and access denied. And I know you can feel stuck, and I know sometimes it maybe feels like you're not going anywhere. But maybe the questions that you're asking can only be answered once you start embracing the place that God has put you in. He placed you in this church. He placed you in this community. He wants relationship for you. Now see, that's healing for someone. He wants relationship for you. He placed you with the people you're with. He wants you in community because a little later in Genesis, the only part about creation that he said was not good is when he realized Adam was alone. He said, that's, that's not good. He wants you around people, and all you introverts are going, no, please stop. Like, no. <laughs> I, I, like, I want to take online courses, and I want to work from home, <laughs> and I like watching online. No, he wants you with people. He wants your relationship for you. Sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent. Youth ministry kids know I do that often. <laughs> but he placed you. And maybe if you start f stop fighting the place, then that is when he can reveal the number two, which is purpose. In our place, he's trying to reveal your purpose. He placed Adam not to just for entertainment. He didn't create Adam and then like a game of Sims sit there and just go, I see, let's see what he's going to do. And just sit back and watch. He gave Adam a distinct purpose. He said, I'm placing you. I want you to tend and watch over the garden. And in chapter one, he gave Adam authority over the earth. He's like, you see Nemo and Dory over there, and you see Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa over there. You have authority. He gave him a purpose. And he's given us purpose that he desperately wants us to live in. So I know you might not like the current job you're in or the current people that you're around or your current living situation, I know. But maybe the reason you feel stuck is because you won't just stop, embrace the place, and try and get what God's trying to teach you at this level. And so often that can stunt a Christian's growth because they won't start believing the place that God has put them in is there for a reason. And so they just try and make their own place and they just get stopped right here because he's trying to teach you something. The thing about uncomfortability, it produces growth. Very rarely does 
being comfortable and growth go together. And if you start looking for people to determine your purpose, you will always be disappointed with where God has placed you. Always. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails every time. Every time. You can try and go out and determine your own purpose. It's, it's going to fail. It's the Lord's purpose that will prevail every time. Now, number three is one that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Number three is parameters. In Genesis 2.15, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden except now. A lot of people might stand back and go, well, why would a loving, gracious, all-powerful God, a God that's supposed to love us and give us all we want, why would he create limits? Now, there's a lot of kids in here this morning. And for some reason, we have had an influx of babies and young children at this church, and it has been absolutely phenomenal. But what does all those houses have in their house right now? Gates. Why? Because when your little one walks into the kitchen and sees the bright red glowing thing and sees it's pretty and goes to touch it, it's going to hurt. When they walk into the kitchen and see the shiny thing that makes funny noises, it's going to hurt. When they go to the stairs and they don't quite know how to operate the stairs, it's going to hurt. God places parameters because he loves us and because he's a good parent. And a lot of Christians are immature. And I'm not saying we're immature overall, but most Christians are too immature for something. And so God is going to put up parameters because he knows you're just not quite ready for that thing or he just knows if you do that, it's going to hurt. And he's never going to stop you. He's the God that's given us free will, so we can go ahead and do it. But it might mess us up. It might set us back. No parameters can equal disaster very quickly. And it's not, he said, you can eat of every tree in the garden except one. It's not like there were two trees. It's not like, okay, you got apples and oranges. If you get sick of the oranges, too bad because you can't eat the apples. You had, he said, look at everything I've made for you. Just stay away from this because it's going to hurt. And so that thing that you might want in your flesh, in your earthly self wants, he knows. Just don't do that. Stay in his parameters. In 1 Corinthians 10, 23, the verse is up on the screen. It says, I have the right to do anything, you say. You say, I have the right to do anything. Because God is gracious. He is forgiving. Only God can judge me, so I can do whatever I want. Except, not everything is beneficial. See, the real power of being a mature Christian is knowing you can, but also knowing you don't have to. Is stepping up to the, the temptations of life and going, yeah, I could do all that, but I know what it brings, so I know I don't have to. So parameters are so important. Now, number four, I like to think of as kind of like the measuring stick for how well the first three are going. And coming into 2019, I, I try and find a word. Over the past couple of years, I've been trying to find a word to like theme my year off of, essentially. 
And so I came into 2019 with the word impact. I wanted to create an impact in and around wherever I went in the lives of students, in the life of people, and coming in with the word impact. And very early on, it changed. Around March or April, God's like, no, 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 you don't need that. You need, you need provision. You need to focus on provision. And provision is essentially God providing, right? In Genesis 2-9, it says, God made all sorts of trees grow up. Who made the trees grow? God. Not Adam. And what's interesting <laughs> is when the fall happens, what's one of the repercussions? Farming becomes hard. But before that, it was God making all the plants grow up. The trees, the plants, all that. The kale, all the stuff that you guys put in your smoothies. He was the one making that all grow. So if you feel like you're in a place right now where you're having to fight for every step, and it feels like it's just you, it's not him. It's not him. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a story of a woman whose, whose husband has passed away, and he had a lot of debt, and it fell onto her. And the debt, debt collectors are coming and saying, you have this much time to get this paid, and if not, we're going to take your sons. So she goes to the prophet and says, what do I do? He's like, well, give me a list of what you have in your house. And so she lists off, and one of the things is a jar of oil. So he says, take that and gather as many vessels as you can. Go back, lock yourself in your room, and start pouring the oil into the vessels. And so she does, and it doesn't stop. It never stops. She leans out the door, sons, bring me another uh, container, bring me more. They bring them in, keeps pouring, keeps pouring, keeps pouring. And she leans out the door, says, bring me another one, says, that's it, we're out. And the oil stops. She sells off the oil for all the debt she had and more, they live happily ever after. The problem in the story is not the oil. The problem in the story is, are there vessels ready to be poured into? See, the vessels is what determined the outpouring of God. The, ve the vessels is determining what the blessings of God as they were falling down. See, God can always supply where he calls. And he can always afford what he orders. The problem is, is he only funds his plans. Amen. Yeah, but Pastor Scotty, last year we were doing worship and oceans came on and I was just like, and God, I feel like really God just spoke to me in that moment. And so I'm moving to Zimbabwe. And I'm going to start my ministry there and I'm, I'm going to start doing this, and I'm trying to do it, but it just seems like I'm all alone, and I'm looking at God going, hey, are you ever going to help me with this? And so I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and it just doesn't seem like everything's, anything's moving at all, and I'm struggling with each and every step, and I'm looking back at God saying, God, will you please just help me out here? And he's back here saying, you were never even supposed to go down this path. Get back to me. Let's refocus on your place your purpose, and your parameters, and let's walk down this path together. Amen. The enemy loves to turn you against God. And so he, if he sees you going down a path that's good, he might provide obstacles so that you start praying for it, yep. knowing that God's necessarily not going to bless it because it's not his plans. And so you end up turning around and getting mad at God because you chose to take your own steps. God's provision 
will always triumph. Now, if you see things moving around you, if you see blessings falling and things just falling into place and things are just happening around you that you really can't explain, it's probably a good sign. It's probably a good sign that you're, that you're right with God, that your place, your purpose, and that your parameters are all in set because he's providing. He's making those trees grow up. He's making those plants grow up. He's providing the light to your path, and you're moving in tandem. Provision is so important. Here's the thing. He will listen to you, pray about your plans, but he will only fund his. God's provision is such a good measuring tool of how you're doing in the rest of your life. So trust it. Know it. And when it starts to come, whoo it's amazing. Our number fifth, our number fifth. <laughs> the number five thing. <laughs> I think it's the most important. I think the most important thing God gave Adam was identity. It says, he placed the man that he had made. And how did he make him? Well, in chapter 1, verse 26, it says, let us make man in our image to be like who? Us. Not your neighbor who has that car you really want. Not Kim and Kanye. <laughs> Not that YouTuber and the celebrity that you really like to watch. Not like that TV show. He made you to be like him. Now this, this next slide, uh, oh sorry, the next, yep. That's my middle school friend group. I'm in eighth grade there. And the guys that you see in this photo, we're missing a couple actually, but the guys that you see in this photo played football at lunch, weather permitting, Every day of our middle school existence, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, we played football every single day for three years. And we kind of ran the football field. Like, if, if you wanted your name known as, like, a football player at the school, you would come play us. Because we'd play each other, right? Three on three, four on four. But then every once in a while, a team would come over and be like, hey, we want to play. And we're like, okay. And usually, we'd handle it. And then one day, it was the start of eighth grade, see, we brought our own footballs because the middle school footballs were terrible. We did not ever even want to touch those things. So we brought our own footballs, but we did not communicate who was bringing the football for that week. So it's very early on in eighth grade, and we're sitting there at the tables at lunch. We're like, well, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> one of my friends goes, let's go play basketball. And we thought about it, and we're like, I was this tall in eighth grade. And then my friend Lawrence that you see in the back, he's, he was 6'4 in eighth grade. And so we're like, you know what? Let's go play basketball. And so we step onto the courts, and there's about nine courts, and we take our step into the basketball area, and it's like all the games at once froze and turned and looked at us and went, what are, what are you guys doing here? And then they realized, oh, they want to play. Okay, 
So they were like, all right, rules are five on five. You can have as many subs as you want. And there was about eight of us, so we know we could switch out if we got tired. We're like, all right, let's do this. The final score was, I don't even know, to one bucket. We scored once. <laughs> we scored one time. And the bell rang, and we went back to the classroom feeling like morons. And we never did it again. <laughs> Why? Because we stepped out of our identity. We said, let's try to be something else today. And it made us look like morons. <laughs> That's one of the enemy's favorite things to do. No, just step out a little bit. Step out. Go do what you're not supposed to do. It looks exciting. It looks fun. Go. go. You know what his other favorite thing to do? To make you compare. I was having a conversation a couple weeks ago uh, with Cassie, my girlfriend, she's sitting right here. Um, she has to put up with a lot when it comes to me, so this is my family. Um, and, but in this, in this particular instance, I was comparing. I was looking at a friend of mine who's a youth pastor at another church, and I was going, man, maybe, maybe I just need to change a couple things. Like maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe if I can uh, implement some of what they're doing, our youth ministry, you know, could improve in this area, in this area. And then she said her, f her famous line, that's not from Jesus. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> she goes, that's not from Jesus. I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, God has given you the perfect set of tools for where he has you right now. And yeah, sure, grow them, develop them, but he has given you the perfect set of skills for what you're doing right now. And it changed the way I thought about my own life, and it changed the way I thought about other people. He has given you the perfect tools and set of skills for your ministry wherever you're at. Because if you're a follower of Christ, you're in ministry. And he's given you the perfect set of tools to do that where you're at. If you're in the right place, living in the right purpose, you're following the parameters, and God's providing... His provision is good, and you have the perfect set of skills for where you're at. He loves to make us compare. The problem is, if who, you're, if who you are, if who you think you are is defined by anything other than what God says you are, you have a misview of who you are. You're wrong about who you are, and so you have a misview about how you're supposed to love others. Enemy's number one tactic is to get you in the mindset of being someone you are not or living in a purpose that you are not. I'm going to go show you guys something. Um, thank you, Scott and Doug, for bringing this stuff up here for me. Um, this container represents us. And these ping pong balls that I have here represent people. People that have come into your life and said, that thing you wear, it doesn't fit right. You should change that. Or you're not good looking enough. Or you, you learn kind of funny. Or you're just a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. And that, that quirk you have, I don't get it. Like, why do you even do that? And, and you should really change this up because, see, someone else does it better. You should do it more like them. And you, you don't understand... But as people start to fill you up, your identity starts to become what these ping pong balls have been saying. And you know, people leave. And, <laughs> and it's, 
as it starts to fill up, as it starts to fill up, all of a sudden, your vessel is now filled with what you've heard your entire life. And you can't tell me that there's been a moment in your life where you've looked like this. Where someone's looked at you and said, you're too broken, I don't want you in my life anymore. And the problem is, is when we believe this, our greatest commandment is hindered. I'm going to invite someone up on stage who is instrumental in the life of this church and instrumental in the youth ministry. All the kids know and love him very well. Alejandro, will you come up here for a second? Can you, can you hold that and just stand over there? The problem is, is when you go to love on someone who needs love at the moment, See, Alejandro, say you're thirsty. I'm going to throw the next one at your face, so you better. <laughs> and the problem because becomes, if I'm filled with that, and this is what I have to pour out, it can be harsh, it can be bounce off, and it'll never stick. And Alejandro can say, what if Alejandro did not have the board? What would be the problem? I would be hurting Alejandro. <laughs> and so he has to put up a defense mechanism because this is all I have to give him. So now we now have a mystery of who we are. And lucky for you, oh wait, I have a couple more here. Hold on. <laughs> the front row is like, hey! <laughs> and so I can't love the proper way that I'm supposed to love because I'm filled by this. Thank you for letting me throw uh, ping pong balls at you, sir. <laughs> and so you might be saying, well, what am I supposed to do? The greatest part of my, the, the second greatest part of our greatest commandment, I can't do correctly. So what am I supposed to do? Just shut down? What am I, how am I even supposed to get rid of this? See, in 2 Peter verse one, or chapter 1, verse 3, it's on, the, it's on the screen here. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Amen. Everything we need for living a godly life has already been given to us. You may be thinking, no, uh No, I'm messed up. You don't even know. Let me tell you when he gave it to you. We received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. See, he already gave you everything you need as soon as you stepped into relationship with him. As soon as you entered into relationship with him, he gave you all the tools you need to live a godly life. So what do you need to do? Spend time with him. Get in the word. Prayer, worship. Do you know worship can be used as a weapon? At the battle of Jericho, when the Israelites showed up and the angel appeared, Joshua falled and fall, fell down and worshipped. The angel declared victory over the coming battle without even giving them instruction first. You win, and you don't even know what you're going to do yet. Again, tangent, I'm sorry. Um, prayer, Bible, worship, community. Man, some people... Put some prayer requests on those cards, and you're going through some stuff. But if you get into community, you get healed. A lot of our growth groups are on a break right now, and we'll be starting those up come New Year. 
I encourage all of you, get in a growth group. Find that community, gain the healing that you need. Because here's the thing. When you start all of that, you say, you know what? I'm just going to read my Bible every day. And it doesn't feel like anything's happening. It's a little juicy on Sundays, but other than that, it really just doesn't feel like anything's happening. This is all right. That's fine. Just keep going to your growth group. Keep worshiping God. Keep reading your Bible. And at some point, things are going to start to change. Your identity is going to be started to be defined by me. See, but what happens when we're better than we used to be? See, I'm filled by God, but I still don't fully know my identity, so I can post whatever I want on my Instagram story. Or it's my birthday, so I can go all out. Or I'm, I'm stressed about my finances, so I'm going to drink, because that's what I do to cope. But God is good! All the time. <laughs> and all the time, God is good, and He has made a way, and He is forgiving, and He is loving. But from afar, what's more obvious? If I were to take you out those doors, out into the courtyard, and you looked in, you might not even know anything's in here. And what it starts to look like is lukewarm. And God says, you don't need to have to be ashamed by that. Just keep pouring me over it. And keep pouring me over it, and keep pouring me over it, and soon enough, all of those things that you were once defined by are gone. Now watch, because this is my favorite part. When those lies come back and the enemy sees, oh no, they're filled. I got attacked now. They just sit right on the surface. And that community you've built yourself around can look at that. My family is great at this and go, why are you wearing those jeans? That's not you. You said what about yourself? No, that's not true at all. Get that out of here. And now when Alejandro said he's thirsty, I can pour into him. Because I know my identity now. It's gone. See, the greatest thing about this is that the enemy is not scared of a faker. He's not scared of you going out into the world throwing ping pong balls. You know what he's scared of? A person that's operating filled. You know what he's scared of? How in Romans 8, 17 it says that we're co-heirs with Christ. He's scared of someone who's operating knowing that they're a king's kid. He's scared of someone who knows their place, know their, knows their purpose, knows their parameters, knows their identity, and is operating his provision, his or her provision, and they're operating the authority of being filled by the Holy Spirit, and who knows that they're a king's kid. He's scared of you operating while you know that you are who you are, who you've been created to be. See, he did not die on the cross for us to be filled by a lot of ping pong balls. He died on the cross so that we can have the opportunity to completely know our identity and go out into the world and love God and love people. We're going to move into a time of communion where we get to say thank you for that sacrifice. Thank you for giving your life for us so that we can get rid of those ping pong balls. We can be filled by you and have the hope 
and promise of eternal life.